I'm Nelly Sapon, and this is Two Southern Corners. In every episode, you listen to short stories written by my friend, Eleni Noah, and I. Each story is spiced with flavor from our Latina and African roots. You can also read them on twosoutherncorners.com. That is, twosoutherncorners.com. Listen now to one of our short, long-lasting stories. At What Cost? Written by Nelly Zappon. Darius knew he had to leave the country when he saw his friend being shot in the head. This wouldn't be his life. He couldn't die at the young age of 20. So he took all the money he had made, got himself a passport with a fake identity, and joined a group traveling to the United States for a sports event as their photographer. The night they arrived in America was the best day of his life. This is what heaven must look like, he thought. He was blinded by the lights and had to wait for his pupils to adjust to the brightness. How can such huge televisions be mounted on buildings, he said out loud. The guys he had been traveling with laughed. Darius knew none of them. He was there on an agenda. Fortunately or unfortunately, he had to stay with a group throughout the sporting activities for a week. A week of free food, watching sports, and sleeping in a hotel couldn't be so bad. His friend, Timo, had lent him the camera. He had promised him he would find a way to get him to America too, after he found his feet. And that was a promise he planned to keep. Timo was the one who gave him a crash course on how to use the camera, or else he would have been doomed. In a day, he took more than 100 pictures. It was a huge sporting event, and he tried to capture all the amazing moments. What a life, he thought. How was this his life? Him, a poor boy from a small lightless village. The week passed by faster than Darius had anticipated. The final day before their departure, he put his plan in motion. Darius had run through the whole thing with the connection man before he helped him get his fake identity. No one knew what his real name was, but he was acclaimed for helping several people travel abroad successfully. So far, Darius had followed all his instructions and it seemed he was worth the money he had paid him. So, as instructed, Darius feigned sickness and said he couldn't attend the last match. He told them he planned to catch an earlier flight back to Ghana, but he would rest first. Depending on how he felt, he would make a decision. After saying their goodbyes, everyone left. The lady who was supposed to pick him up had been delayed for 30 minutes. Perspiration started running down his forehead as he waited in the lobby with his hand luggage. He didn't want to look suspicious, but he couldn't help it, as his knees quivered and knocked against each other. As he approached the revolving door 
with no plan in mind, he saw the lady the connection man had described. Hi, I'm DJ. You must be Vince. She said with her purple hair, pierced nose ring, and colorful fingernails. Darius almost corrected her, forgetting his new name was Vince. DJ was probably a fictitious name as well. They shook hands and went on a five-hour journey in silence. They finally arrived at Sanford, Florida on a Saturday morning. DJ alighted him at the dilapidated apartments they had agreed on in their texts. She handed him the keys and he handed over her payment. That was the last he saw of her. On the following Monday, he got a job cutting hedges at an exclusive Rotary International restaurant. He worked like his life depended on it, and he enjoyed it. Sometimes, he would finish working on time and offer to help the kitchen staff with menial tasks. Usually, he would take out the trash and help them wash the dishes. The manager took a liking to Darius and said, Since he was doing more than he was employed to do, he would increase his salary. The stars were finally aligning for Darius. He started getting enough money to save. He planned to move out of his apartment as soon as he could. Sometimes, he would get home when it was pitch dark. He would see horrible things going on in the street, but he always looked the other way. He didn't want to be a witness to anything. All he had to do was move out of there before he got to a point where he could no longer turn a blind eye. The only person he was on talking terms with in the neighborhood was the single mother who lived with her mother and her 18-year-old daughter. For some reason, the woman reminded him of his mother. It's not so much so that they were friends, but rather... Her packages were left at his apartment if she was not home, and vice versa. The daughter usually came home late, and the grandmother was not too mobile. He knew the mother had three jobs, and according to her, she had one day off every week. So Darius made sure the things he ordered always arrived on her days off, so she could keep them for him till he came for it early the next morning. On that fateful day, he had closed from work earlier than normal and couldn't wait to get home and pick up his package. He had saved for it. It was a microwave. Finally, he could quickly eat a hot meal whenever he got home or make warm instant noodles on nights that he got off very late. His colleagues had invited him to hang out after work, but as always, he refused. He just wanted to get home on time so he could get his package from his neighbor before she went to sleep. He didn't think he could wait till morning, but he was reminded of the fact that it was the manager's birthday and his colleagues had promised to take him out. As much as he didn't want to go, he knew he could not take a rain check on this one. The manager had been too good to him. He arrived home at around 4 a.m., a little tipsy. He drank water, peed, and waited for about an hour to calm down. Even though he was very sleepy, he knew his neighbor usually left for work around 6am, 
so he wanted to collect his package before he slept. He arrived at his neighbor's door and realized it was slightly opened. He hoped his neighbor hadn't left already. His only consolation was that at least the grandma would be home. He knocked three times. There was no response, but the door opened wider. Then he saw a drop of blood. As he shoved the door, it felt like something was blocking it. He pushed it further and stepped in. On the floor was his neighbor. She had been stabbed several times. Blood was still oozing profusely. He put his hand on her throat to check her pulse. She wasn't breathing. He picked up the knife and shouted, Who is here? Come out! With a shaky voice. Darius wanted to run out, but he remembered the grandmother and looked in the living room. There she also lay with stabbed wounds. He asked again, Who did this horrific thing? Come out! There was no response. He picked up his phone to call the police and freaked out. He deleted the number quickly. He was an illegal immigrant. If he reported to the police, he would get into deeper waters. Darius knew he had to get out of there. Quickly, he ran home, changed and washed his shirt and ran to work. When he got back home, the usual yellow and black tape in CSI movies had been used to demarcate his neighbor's house. The police had surrounded the whole place. They questioned him as to whether he had seen anything the night before. He responded in the negative. He was too scared to tell them he had been there the night before. After the quick interrogation, he went to one of his colleagues' house and told them what happened. I have to go back. I have to go back and tell the police what I saw. They will believe me, Darius said. You have no idea where you are. They will definitely not believe you. Just get out of town, take this money and start a new life somewhere, his friend responded. Thanks man, but I can't do this running away business again. I just started finding my feet here. I even bought my first appliance. Oh shoot, I forgot to even pick it up, Darius said. Don't do it, please, his friend pleaded. I have to tell the police. It's the right thing to do. Darius left his colleague's house and headed right to the police. He told them exactly what happened. They immediately put him in handcuffs. One police officer sat him down and said, <laughs> You, a thick, tall, black dude. Do you mean to tell me you did not go there to rape those women? The officer snickered. Then my name is Jesus Christ, he added. What the hell are you talking about? I had nothing to do with this, Darius said in shock. 
That fake ass acting is not going to work here, my friend. The police retorted. They checked his records and found out he was an illegal immigrant. He was trialed within the shortest time, convicted of the murder of the two women and put on death row. Darius's life had just taken the most drastic turn. He would lie in his prison cell and ask himself, how the hell did he get there? He had planned to buy Timo a camera after buying himself a microwave. His life was finally taking shape. He had taken himself out of the trenches of Ghana and landed in the valleys of America. How? He would ask himself several times a day. There was no evidence presented against him in court. However, he was going to rot in those prison cells. Back at his workplace, his manager and colleagues could not believe how Darius had turned from angel into devil overnight. This was not possible. The human being they worked with every day could not be a stabbing, murdering monster. 24 years after what had happened, Darius's colleague, whom he had confided in, went to their manager and told him everything Darius had told him that night. The manager had known Darius was innocent all along. He had waited to be interrogated about who Darius was when he was at work. He waited for the police to call him as a witness in the stands, but the manager heard nothing from them. When he volunteered to be a witness, he was told the case was already closed. This information was the green light he had always been waiting for. The manager found an association that helped people on death row and told them everything. He was willing to be a witness and so was the colleague. The lawyers started digging into Darius's case. They realized that 24 years ago, the crime scene analyst had scraped 110 blood swabs from the crime scene. This was in order to help them find who the perpetrator was. Obviously, with so many wound stabs, they would have seen droplets of the perpetrator's blood as a result of him being nicked. To the surprise of the lawyers, none of the blood swabs was ever tested. This was because they had automatically assumed Darius was the murderer. The lawyers quickly got them in the lawyers quickly the lawyers quickly got them tested and they weren't surprised with the result. Not one droplet of Darius's blood was found. They appealed for a retrial. Finally, the appeal was accepted. In the courtroom, the evidence provided by Darius's lawyers, which had been there all the time but was never uncovered, shocked the jury. The tested blood swab showed blood droplets of the daughter, both on the mother and the grandmother. Investigations had proven that the daughter had a tendency to cut herself and had once cut one of her own fingers off. 
on the mother's corpse. There were streaks of blood made from four fingers. This was unusual since people usually have five fingers. The four fingerprints was a result of the lost finger of the daughter. They should have been noticed by the previous lawyers. Her history of gross violence was easily found out by Darius's lawyers by asking her colleagues and neighbours who had reiterated instances where she had attacked people with knives. People volunteered information when they were asked. It turned out the daughter had actually confessed all over town that she had killed her mother and grandmother and would kill anyone who got on her nerves. All this had been public knowledge. But the previous lawyer and prosecutor had not even made the effort to find out because they assumed Darius was guilty without any proof, just based on his looks and his background. Darius, the poor boy from a lightless village who had a goal to achieve the American dream, was now a man who had been wrongfully convicted and had wasted his youthful years behind bars. Yes, he was acquitted. He was freed after 24 years behind bars. But at what cost? Did you like what you just listened to? Then subscribe to our newsletter on 2000corners.com to be the first one to receive a new story every week. Don't forget to share this with your friends. We'd also love to hear from you. Send us a message on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us there as nelisapong 37 and eleni.noah. And last but not least, please consider supporting us so we can continue delivering these short stories to you here and on our website. You can do this with a monthly or a one-time contribution at buymeacoffee.com slash forward southern corners. That is buymeacoffee.com slash forward southern corners. See you next time.